Hello, everyone. This is the Lead Your Life podcast, and I'm your host, Natalie Barron. I am so grateful, my friends, that you are back for another week. And I know you've made a commitment to come week after week and listen to the podcast. But if you've been skipping weeks, you definitely have to listen to this week and next week. So this week is part one, and next week is part two. And it's all around how to communicate powerfully. This week, we're going to be focused in on how to communicate powerfully through your business writing. And next week, we're going to be talking all about how to communicate powerfully through your verbal and your nonverbal skills. And I know you all know, (laughs) if you've listened to any episode of the podcast, you know how passionate I am about helping women especially find their voice, speak up, advocate for themselves. And I'm all about empowerment. So communication is such a critical piece to empowerment, how we talk to ourselves internally, and also how do we communicate outwardly, both through our verbal, nonverbal, as well as our written communication skills. So you know that I wasn't just going to go find anyone to come on the podcast and do this interview around writing and verbal and nonverbal. I was going to find the expert, and I did just that. And I'm so excited to introduce you to my next guest. Her name is Liz Danziger, and she's been a writer forever. She's written for magazines like Reader's Digest, Family Circle, Cosmopolitan, And the list goes on. And 27 years ago, she founded Work Talk Communications Consulting in Los Angeles. She's a seasoned writer. She is a pro at written communication. And her company's webinars and coaching prepare teams to write clearly and confidently so they can really produce powerful business results. Liz is always adding so much value And I highly suggest a couple of things. One is you sign up for her monthly newsletter called Ritamins, which you can find on her website, which is www.worktalk.com. And then also go pick up her book, which is on Amazon. It's called Get to the Point, Painless Advice for Writing Memos, Letters, and Emails Your Colleagues and Clients Will Understand. So I love this book. Absolutely recommend it. And she also has a workshop coming up, which is on November 18th. It's a workshop in communicating effectively in a fast paced world. I know we're all so busy, we're all so bombarded with emails. And we want to make sure that when we're writing, our emails go to the top and that people aren't overlooking them, which people do. You'll hear her talk about that in this episode. We want to make sure that we are writing persuasively that we are writing concisely. And Liz is going to talk all about that in this episode. So go to her workshop on November 18th. It's from 10 to 1230. The details are in the show notes. But I want to tell you how I have Liz and I'm carrying her around with me every single day. So I was introduced to Liz um, about eight months to a year ago. And I was in a networking meeting Someone had suggested to go sign up for Liz's monthly newsletter, which I did because everyone was raving about it. And 
one of the first or second newsletters I received in my inbox was her monthly vitamins talking about how we as women, not even we as women, she was talking generically, that we use a lot of empty phrases. And the one she mentioned, which was a huge blind spot for me, was the phrase, I just wanted to X, Y, Z. And I didn't realize how often I was saying that. So every single time I go to write an email now, I always have Liz on my shoulder saying to me, how can that be more concise? How can you be more persuasive? How can you reduce some of the empty phrasing? And how can you be more direct in your communication? She has absolutely helped me up-level my communication And I can't wait for you to hear some of her tips and tricks and that you can start applying them to your communication. And like I said, this week we're focusing in on writing and next week we'll be focusing in on all of the verbal and nonverbal communication. And she's genius. And I just have to say, we had such a good time doing this interview together. I can't wait for you to listen. So let's dive into my conversation with Liz Danziger. Welcome to the Lead Your Life Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Barron. I'm obsessed with helping people feel more connected to themselves, the people they love, their work, and their purpose. I'm a leadership coach, speaker, self-improvement junkie, wife, mom of two teenagers, and 30-year corporate career woman turned entrepreneur. This podcast will give you the tools, insights, and real honest conversations that will help you lead your life so you can love your life. Let's dive in. Liz, I am so grateful you are here today. I have been looking forward to this conversation. And so thank you for making the time. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm so excited. The topics we're going to be covering on part one and part two, this is going to be a two-part podcast episode Um, And the reason why is because it's so important. So I am grateful you're here to share your wisdom. And I would love it if you could just share a little bit about yourself and your career history. Well, I started out as a writer. I uh, when I got out of college, I, I had a believe it or not, I had a hobby of reading palms. And um, when I got out of college, I thought, oh, maybe I'll write a book. It was just bizarre. Like, how did I get the idea to write a book? But oh, write a book. And I wrote a book on palmistry, which was sold all over the world and sold 60,000 copies and was really successful. And then once I had written a book, I was an author. And then I wrote two more books. I actually wrote three more books. And um, I became an editor and I wrote for all the women's magazines, Cosmo and Self and Glamour and Reader's Digest. Well, that's not a women's magazine, but... and. But later, I realized that I wanted to be involved with people who were really making the world happen, like real people doing real things, not a Cosmo article on how to get your guy, but how do you make the world work? So I pivoted and went to the Anderson School at UCLA and got some business education and became a business writing consultant. That's incredible. I, I I love that. 
Um, I don't know if we can continue the interview uh, since you're a UCLA gra- grad. <laughs> no, only only, only Anderson. Only, only okay. and- Anderson. <laughs> you know, I went to Pomona College in Claremont. So that's like not a, that is no threat to UCLA. <laughs> yeah, I'm a USC. I'm a USC grad. So oh, um, we love USC too. <laughs> No, Liz, in all seriousness, thank you for sharing that. I appreciate it. And so is that when Work Talk started? And we'd love for you just to share a little bit about work, what Work Talk is and, and what you do. Work Talk started in 1987, believe it or not. And I wanted to give business people a voice to give them a chance to express themselves clearly and concisely. And the one thing that I knew how to do was to write. So I decided to teach writing. And I worked with a lot of accountants. My first clients were all in the finance sector. I trained and I'm still the writing trainer for Cal CPA, the California CPA Society. I've been doing that for years. And work talk has just evolved over the years. It's so exciting. It's so It makes me so excited to give people back their voice for people who were terrified of writing, people who were suppressed by their writing teacher, who think it's incredibly complex and beyond them because they didn't go to the right high school or college or whatever, to help them realize that, yes, they, I can write clearly. It's wonderful. So powerful. And it's why I'm having you on it because we're so aligned in helping people find their voice in different ways. And this idea of communicating (laughs) and Mm -hmm. doing it effectively is so important. And I'm curious to know, you know, why, other than helping people find their voice, which is so powerful, why else are you passionate about your work and what you do on a daily basis? I think that when people are purposeful in their communication, the world is a better place. And companies are more productive when people think, oh, I'm making a request. I'm not just letting them know that I need something by a certain time. I'm asking them. And so I don't know if this is a good time to bring up the three Ps, but the three Ps is something that I'm incredibly passionate about. This is a tool that I teach that it's the three P's are purpose, person, and point. And I could go through a 14-hour training, which, you know, relax, I don't do that anymore with uh, now that we're all online. But if people would just remember to think about the purpose of their communication before they start to speak or write mm-hmm. and really think about the other person. And if they would pause to know their point before they start to write, like before they pour out a five screen email, if they would know their point, that would be really awesome. And I'm, I'm, I mean, I, this is like, I'm an evangelist for the three Ps. Mm-hmm. And why do you think, I mean, so you mentioned purpose, person and point. Yeah. Where, which one of those do you feel people get stuck the most in, in not incorporating into their written communication? It's hard to say because people people kind of fall down in all three. But if I had to say the biggest mistake that writers make, it's in not thinking about their reader. They just sit down, tap, 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 tap. They know what they want to say, but they don't know what their reader wants to hear. So 
thinking about the reader is so fundamental. Absolutely. I completely agree. And what do you see? You work with organizations, helping them, and you work also with individuals. But what do you think is the impact of people not focusing in on the three P's and not having good written communication? Well, research estimates that organizations lose over $400 billion a year due to poor writing. And so how can you, how can you lose that much money over this apparently quote unquote soft skill? It's in lost productivity when people go back and forth and back and forth. And what did you mean? What did you mean? What did you mean? They still misunderstand. They do the wrong work. Then it has to be fixed. It's, it's, it's incredible. So the lost productivity is huge. The morale when managers write to their team in a way that the team feels is condescending or harsh. And then instead of doing their work, they're busy complaining to other employees. The morale, mm-hmm. the lost sales when sales reps don't address the actual needs of their prospects. That is measurable lost sales. Customer service reps not being clear, lost customers, and just the loss of branding. It's just, it's massive, absolutely massive. But can I tell a quick story? I would love for you to tell a story. All right. So I was doing a training for a large hospitality company recently. And this is my thing. Like I, I always get like really serious at the beginning. Oh, okay. <laughs> so what are the, co- it was a, it happened to be an email course, but I said, what are the costs of unclear emails? And this woman raises her hand. She goes, pick me, pick me. I'm like, yes. What are the costs of unclear emails? She says, doesn't bother me at all. I said, really? Why not? He goes, I just ignore them. (laughs) That's funny. I was, I was dumbfounded. I thought, this company had 25,000 employees. And I thought if 1% of their employees are routinely ignoring emails, and this happened to be a cruise company. So they had like safety and important things were going around in their emails. And if you make it hard to read, people are like, eh, I'm not reading it. Yeah. And yeah. think about that. Just, you know, like, think about that throughout a whole organization and it becomes pretty scary. Absolutely. Well, I mean, you you bring up so many great points around loss of productivity, morale, you know, which leads to low engagement, which we're in the middle of the great resignation right now. Exactly. Turnover. (laughs) Turnover. Lost sales. Salespeople not addressing the specific needs that the client is really asking for. Customer service. I love this. I, uh, loss of branding. I was actually in a group coaching call last week, um, with a chief marketing officer and she was saying she was so upset with her team because they had set these processes in place, but they had accidentally put out into the world because someone forgot to proof. And she was mortified because this was a large organization. And they had spelling errors in the product that they were putting out into the market, into social media. You know, 
one of the things that I tell people in my trainings is people sometimes think, oh, writing, soft skill, what's the big deal, whatever. But your writing is directly related to your credibility. And proofreading errors are death to credibility. You know, because here's the, the reason for that. And I'm sure that you tell people this in your trainings, in, in your coaching, is that people generalize. They think, wow, if they're careless about this detail, they must be careless about that detail. Right. So I, I once did a training for the uh, audit the audit team of a major hotel corporation. And I was saying to them that if they send out, they in the audit team, if they send out an email with typos, the person who gets it is going to wonder whether there'll be a hair on their pillow the next time they go to the hotel. <laughs> it's frightening how much people generalize. It's true. It's true. And spelling errors are deadly. Yes. Yes. And so let's talk about that. What are some of the other common mistakes that you see people making in their written communication? And I want to caveat that by saying I want you to kind of answer for general mistakes, but also what are the specific mistakes that you see women making since the majority of my my listeners are women? I have a few good men who I always acknowledge, but the majority of my listeners are women. So I would love for you to clarify that. And, you know, this whole episode is all about written communication. And we'll be doing part two next week, which will all be around verbal and nonverbal communication. So I will let you kind of take it away. As you already touched on one of them, which is not proofreading. You know, people think, oh, and here's, here's the thing. You know, I always ask people, when you do proofread, what percent of the time do you find either an error or something that could have been done differently? And the honest people all say, you know, 90 to 100 percent of the time they find something. And then what happens is that in the heat of the moment, we get rushed and we just tell this lie to ourselves. We say, oh, this time I'm sure it's fine. And we send it and then we live to rue the day. So just if people would just reread what they write before they send it, that would be a big deal. And second, as I said earlier, think about the person you're writing to. What do they care about? What are they interested in? What is going to bore them? What is going to interest them? And in terms of women's communication, I find that women often disempower themselves through various writing habits. And one of them, and I, I send out monthly writing tips called Writamins, which people are welcome to sign up for, that I wrote an, a Writamin on the, the phrasing, I would like to, I want to. I'd like to thank you for participating in our program last week. So if you think about this pattern, I'd like to, or I want to. Basically, if you had a kid and your kid wanted a bicycle for Christmas and you gave her a pair of socks, then you know she would come to you and say, Mom, I wanted a bike for Christmas. And you would say, I wanted to give you a bike for Christmas, but we didn't have the money. So I bought you socks. So <laughs> I wanted to. So what, what is that about? I wanted to tell you that 
we have a new product available. I'd like to tell you that we have a new product available, but the pattern in the reader's brain is, but I won't. I'd like mm-hmm. to, but I won't. And so mm-hmm. that is the pattern in the reader's brain. So we, and it, it just, it's so indirect. Also the word just, I think people, unless you want to write, I am searching for a just society. Okay, fine. Use the word just, but I just wanted to tell you, I just wanted to say, delete it. <laughs> and the third thing I would say for women, and this goes to both written and oral communication is the word sorry. Be really careful. Do not apologize unless you just broke someone's leg. You know, I broke your leg. I'm really sorry. But like, you're not sorry that someone else didn't do their job. Mm -hmm. So those are a few things. (laughs) So the reason why I'm giggling is because, you know, you and I met fairly recently and I subscribe to your vitamins, uh-huh. which oh, is good. awesome. It's going to be in the show notes. Everyone needs to subscribe to Liz's vitamins. And it was in your vitamin newsletter that I realized I was writing, I just want to blah, 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 whatever they, whatever my comment was. And I, you are now permanently on my shoulder every time I write an email (laughs) and I love you for it. And I hate you for it because there's this, you are always there saying, why are you saying that Natalie? You're disempowering yourself. What is it that you're really trying to communicate? And, you know, I'm an empowerment coach for women. I support women in every aspect. And I even find myself when I adjust that sentence to take away that I just wanted to follow up on the proposal I sent, I find myself having a hard time rewriting that sentence to where it doesn't seem direct. And I'm as direct as they come. But it is interesting how we get into these patterns. Right, right. So I'm curious, you you talk about that. What is the solution to it? Instead of saying, I just wanted to send you the proposal, I just wanted to check in to see how your review of my proposal is going. What is the solution? Well, one thing is just to eliminate the just and say, I'm checking in to make sure I'm checking to make sure that you received our proposal. You know, here I am, I'm the coach. And in my mind, I just thought, oh, you could write, just wanted to make sure you received our proposal. And then I would have to rewrite myself. You know, I'm making sure that you received our proposal. Yeah. Uh, I sent the proposal last week, checking in to make sure it arrived. And um, so those are a few things. And what I find is, and there is that fear, and I think women have a particular fear of being too direct. And it's not a completely unjustified fear because, I mean, I've read it in Harvard Business Review and I'm sure you've read it in many, many places. Mm-hmm. When a man speaks clearly and directly, he's seen as a powerful leader and someone to be trusted. And when a woman speaks clearly and powerfully, then sometimes 
she gets the B word attached to her mm-hmm. or she gets like, or then, you know, her performance review comes back and it's like aggressive, pushy. And you could literally transcribe the words of the man and the words of the woman yeah, and put them in a man's voice or put them in a woman's voice. And they're going to be interpreted very, very differently. And that, I think, you know, we would like to look ahead to a world without bias. But in the meantime, we need to, we need to take note of this bias. And it's not probably not going away anytime soon. I agree. And so the question is for women, how can I be clear and assertive and direct? And not seem pushy or aggressive. I think that is like the really fundamental question for women. And one of the things that I do for that is that I will preface my direct statement with something very friendly. So it would be, dear Bob, I hope you're enjoying the change of season. It's incredible that the leaves are changing, isn't it? question mark or isn't it wonderful that the I don't know that USC won the championship (laughs) or whatever it is right and if you soften it with a friendly comment then after hope you're enjoying now the change of season I'm checking in to make sure that you received our proposal yes is very different from Dear Bob, I'm checking in to make sure you received our proposal, which is like, hey, you know, that's a little, that's a little brutish. So you can use words for what they were designed for, which is always to humanize your communication, always to be, to be friendly and authentic and warm in your communication. And then you can still say, I'm checking in to make sure you received or making sure that you received whatever. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. And as you were sharing, I started thinking about this book. Um, It's called Nice Girls Still Don't Get the Corner Office by Lois Frankel. Yeah. I think you and I had this conversation. Yeah. And, you know, what you speak to is true. And it's truth around men have a, a larger playing field and their rules were mostly written by them. And, That's helpful. Right? And so it is helpful, right? Women have a, an even smaller playing field. They don't have full range of the whole football field. And they have a different set of rules. And it's in it's important for us to be cognizant of that. But I think what I hear you as you were sharing, I think my my coaching or my insight around that is, if you're not getting feedback from anyone on your team or your colleagues or your boss or your board or whomever, that your communication is too direct, then you're probably not pushing the boundary enough. Because I think that women feel like they're being, they might be being too direct, but how it's perceived is not direct enough. There's a gap between perception. Oh my gosh, what a great point. And reality. So unless you're getting actual feedback that, hey, this kind of rubbed me the wrong way, it was too direct, then you're not pushing the boundary enough. 
That's very interesting. Very, very interesting. You know, I'm going to have to think about that because it's a deep point. It's a very, very deep point. My only, I'm wondering though, will people give direct feedback to a person if they think they're being too assertive and pushy or will they go behind their back and gossip about them and say, wow, she's a something buster or she's a whatever. Do you think that people give honest feedback about things like that? I think it, I don't think it comes out as direct in that way all the time. I think sometimes it can. I think it can come out in other ways of, you know, your team might, your team seems disengaged or, you know, your turnover is high on your team. I think it can come out in different ways. But I have to tell you, out of all the women I've coached, maybe, maybe one of them has been a true ball buster. And a true just bitch. Yeah. But that's so I, interesting. I would say all the other women think that they might be perceived as that, and they are so far from it. That's very, very interesting. One thing that I, I just realized as you were speaking, a good way to gauge if if we're being too direct would be if people come back and say, Are you mad at me? Right. Yes, because I had a I had a friend once who was a a female executive truck executive in a trucking company. Mm-hmm. So she was really in a man's world. And she said that she said she got a lot of feedback from people who thought she was angry. And she said, "I'm not angry. I just have 100 emails on my desk and I'm on my desk and I'm trying to bang through them." So she was boom boom <laughs> boom boom boom. Yeah. And in her world, she was just moving through it and getting the job done. Yeah. But in their world, it was sort of, wow, do you hate me? So that could be one way that people would get feedback if they were being too direct. If people come back to them all the time and say, are you mad? Are you mad? No, I'm not mad. I was just getting to the point. But I think you've raised something very interesting, which is that... and. Oh gosh, we could go on and on about the research about this, (laughs) about, you know, the rats in the cage that because they used to get a shock when they did that, they now avoid that corner of the cage, even though there's no more shock there. Right. Right. And so what you're saying, if I'm understanding you, is that the fear of being seen as too assertive, the fear of being seen as a bitchy ball buster makes us censor ourselves. Absolutely. That's what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love that we're kind of brainstorming this together in the moment. But yes, that's what I'm saying. And I think that the fear is what holds us back, which makes us soften the communication, which makes us not be so direct, which makes us use the word sorry and please and I just and I would like to and all of the things you mentioned. And I think if we cut those out we feel like we're being way more direct and I'm sure it's all, it's landing exactly fine. Unless, like you said, I think that's a great point of feedback. If, unless people are coming to you and saying, is everything okay? Like, are you mad at me? Is something going on? Then your, your communication is probably exactly where it needs to be. Yeah. 
And I think in particular, I know I'm generalizing here, but I've spoken to many men who are, you know, being communicated with. And I think that a lot of that backpedaling, softening, I would like to, I wanted to, I hope, I this, I that, I think it drives men crazy. They just are like, just, excuse me for saying just, but they are saying, (laughs) could you just get to the point? Just get to the point. Yes. Because they, that's how they do. They just, they want to go boom, boom, boom. And I literally wrote a book. I didn't put it. I can't believe I didn't put it in the, in the podcast notes, but I wrote a book called get to the point (laughs) published by random house Yes, and available on Amazon. Get to the point. That is the essence. And that's what people in business really want us to do because they're busy. They got a hundred emails on their desk and they don't really have time or patience for. I was hoping to find out whether you got our proposal and just wanted to check in to make sure everything is okay. Oh my God, kill me now. You know, <laughs> yeah, and, and you you bring up such a good point about being concise. So one of the patterns I see in my coaching with women, because sometimes they'll say, "Can you review an email I'm going to send to my boss or a colleague?" And uh-huh. uh, especially in difficult situations, because that's typically when they're asking me to review something. Of I see a page, like a big long page of emails, and. I see women having a hard time being concise and getting to the point. And I'm good. I want to share a personal story around how I learned this the hard way. So I was at Mars and there was a guy in operations and he never seemed too friendly. He was very introverted, very quiet, super great at what he did. And I always felt like I was trying to, to crack him, right? Like I wanted to, I wanted him to like me, right? And that was the truth. Like, I I felt like, does he not like me? What's going on here? Maybe I can ask him about his family. Maybe I can loosen him up. He just wanted to get the job done and get to the point. We went through a communication seminar. It might have been even DISC. I, I'm certified in DISC and I do DISC. And I think it was DISC. And we realized that we had very different communication styles. We got paired together. And I said, what is it about my communication style where I could be more effective with you. And he said, Natalie, don't send me. We had, um, I don't know, I forget. It was like Slack, basically. He said, don't send me a Slack asking me how my weekend was and how my, what I did and if I had a good Halloween and what I dressed up as. Just ask me the question. Just be direct. Just get to the point. I'm super busy. I don't think you understand basically what's on my plate. And he said, I would appreciate it. And it would mean so much more to me if you would just be concise in your communication. And I have to tell you, going back to your person of your three Ps, it helped me understand it wasn't about what I wanted. It was about communicating how he wanted me to communicate. And that was this really important lesson for me. I cut out all of the fluff. I got to the point He actually warmed up to me because of that, because I heard him, I listened to him, and I responded and I took action to communicate with him in the way he wanted me to communicate. We had a great working relationship. But going back to your point, 
it's important and I think sometimes hard for women to be concise. It's true. It's true. And I think a lot of it goes back to something we already discussed, which is the fear of being too direct. The fear and maybe it's a lack of confidence that somehow what we have to say won't be accepted or will be rejected or will be judged. And what I learned very early on in my career is that writing and fear of rejection are very related. And in my longer trainings, I have a whole module on overcoming fear of writing. And I, I it's a very powerful module because once you put something on paper, you're committed. And somebody can send it to somebody else, somebody can show it to somebody, and they can they can judge, they can judge us. And sometimes, honestly, they do judge us. And so fear of being rejected, fear of being judged, these are are part of the problem. And I think it goes even more to the point that we've been discussing throughout the whole episode, which is the fear of standing up to be counted. And that's why I'm so grateful that you do the work you do because you help people do that inner work, the powerful inner work, which enables them if they do that inner work, then they won't. And they just become aware. Okay. Don't say just don't say, I would like to don't say this. What you do goes to the root of it where they will have fewer times when they want to say, I would like to, I this, I that. They will simply say what they have to say and feel adequate and good enough and confident that they can do that. And that's why I think what you do and what I do, there's a huge synergy. There's a huge synergy in what we do. But you help people do the inner work and that is priceless and precious. Thank you, Liz. And that's why I'm so excited about the relationship that we're building and the collaboration that we're doing. And you're you're coming on the podcast. We're going to have you in um, as a speaker for our Women Leading Powerfully program because, and thank you for the acknowledgement of the work I do because I am super passionate about it. And I think the power in us working together and giving women the information that we're giving them is I can help them do the inner work. When they've done that inner work and they're confident, you help them match their new persona, their new confidence level with that up-leveling in their writing and their communication skills. True, true. And it does also go the other way. In other words, you know, yeah. like our mother's always told, said us, you're just like, I don't want to smile. I feel grumpy. <laughs> and your mother says to you, look, just smile, smile. And what happens is that when we change our outer behavior, it does impact our inner self. So, you know, the person who says, I'm not giving charity, I'm just not a generous person. Give charity a few times and you'll find that you become a more generous person. Yeah. When you write in a more confident way, you feel more confident. Absolutely. When you start writing in a powerful, persuasive way and you start getting the feedback and it's not the fearful feedback that you're thinking about getting, right? But it's actually powerful feedback that you get back and you get yeses and you get acknowledgements. 
you're right. That does absolutely build that inner confidence. And so there's this huge synergy between what we do. And so on that note, I know we're kind of coming up at time, but would love for you just to share a couple of points around how do how can women communicate more powerfully and persuasively? I know we've talked about eliminating some things with regard to the communication, but how do we up level it? How do we how do we communicate more powerfully and persuasively? Well, you've, I, I won't repeat the things I've already said to eliminate. One thing you can do is write with shorter sentences. So in our writing trainings, we recommend that you keep an average sentence length of around 20 words per sentence. And this is very easy to measure. Word has a feature called check readability statistics. It'll give you boom, boom, boom. It'll tell you your average words per sentence quickly. So if you write shorter sentences, you will be seen as more persuasive and powerful. So don't be writing these 40 and 50 and 60 word sentences. No one wants to read them. So that's one thing you can do. You can also use more verbs. Don't use, in other words, instead of saying, it was my thought that, using thought as a noun, you can say, Mm -hmm. I think that. And in our trainings, we go through this at length about how to use more verbs. But just in general, use a lot of verbs and don't use Asian. In other words, we are taking it up for consideration. Asian. We are considering it. It's more powerful to say we are considering it than it is to say we are taking it up for consideration. But just in summary, think about your reader. Think about the reader. That is the most fundamental thing. And do proofread before you send it out. And imagine your reader reading it. How is this going to show up over there? Very powerful. So powerful, Liz. So powerful. One last question before we close out this episode on written communication. Sometimes we can write a powerful email around something that's important to us and you know, thinking about the other person, something that's important to them as well. And it goes off into a black hole. <laughs> and we don't get the response. We f- maybe follow up. What do we do? Or how can we make sure that people respond to our emails? You can never really make sure that people respond to your emails. But one thing you can do is to write a powerful subject line that's five to eight words long, that touches on a hot button of your reader. I've also had phenomenal success in simply writing in the in the subject line response required or please respond colon call this week please respond colon proposal attached it is so much more effective because honestly people just need to be told what to do Mm-hmm. You might think, well, obviously, if I sent you an email, I want you to respond to me. You know, wouldn't anyone know that? But if you say in the subject line, please respond or action required or action needed, it has a huge impact in your response rate. That's great. That's great. Liz, I have completely enjoyed and as always learned a lot from you in this conversation. I'm so grateful. I'm looking forward to next week where we have our conversation on verbal and nonverbal communication. So powerful as well. Um, what is, you know, any last words of wisdom you have for my listeners or uh, maybe an insight 
that you would like for my listeners to put into action? Use the three P's. Ask yourself before you write, what is the purpose? What result? What do I want people to do after I read this? What is, am I informing, requesting, persuading? What ballpark am I in? And again, I'll just repeat, think of the reader and know your point before you start. And most of all, I think for women is to be authentic. And I said to you at the, before we started, it says, I think some in Proverbs, wherever, some proverb is what comes from the heart enters the heart. So if you are being authentic and grounded in your communication and not fearful about the impression you're going to make and not fearful of making the wrong impression and not second guessing yourself every minute, if you're authentic, you will get an authentic reply. Uh, powerful words. Liz, thank you so much. We will have all of your information, including your book, in the show notes and absolutely suggest that everyone sign up for Liz's monthly newsletter called Vitamins. It will give you tips and tricks and actionable things that you can do to improve your communication. So it's phenomenal. I love it. It's already taught me so much. Liz, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you. This was really a pleasure. It was great. Thank you. I just would like to say that it was really a pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) I love you. (laughs) We'll see you next week, Liz. Thank you so much for being here today and listening to the Lead Your Life podcast. My invitation to you is that you do one thing today to move toward a more meaningful, fulfilling life for yourself. Today, you have the opportunity to challenge your mindset or have a meaningful conversation or take one action step towards your goals. So what are you waiting for? It would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. I look forward to connecting with you next week. Until then, don't wait till tomorrow. Be your best self now. Thank you.